You're listening to the Telltale Channel. If you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, don't forget to check out my Patreon. And take a look at my other YouTube channels too. You can find some ad-free, uncensored, complete versions of my videos on my website, owenmorgan.com. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email list to get early access to everything I release. All links are in the description. In this podcast, there's another court battle over intelligent design right now. This time, it's taking place in West Virginia. Anybody surprised? Apparently, West Virginia Republicans are trying to file a bill to get intelligent design taught in classrooms. Let's talk about the tactics and what intelligent design even is. There's an Oklahoma representative that was just elected to state Congress named Dusty Devers. This dude wants to ban sexting. 20-year prison sentence for somebody who sends a sext, and a one-year prison term for the recipient. This is psychotic. Televangelist Jack Hibbs opened Congress with a prayer recently. Let's talk about Jack Hibbs, what kind of person he is. Let's talk about his values, beliefs, and interests. I'm sure it'll come as no surprise to find that he's an anti-Semitic, anti-gay nutter butter of epic proportions. We got some pretty hilarious and bizarre clips from it though. We also take voicemails. If you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. If you want to send an email instead, just go to owenmorgan.com, click contact me in the menu, and send me a message that way because you believe the medical diagnosis when a doctor looks you in the face and says, well, what you have is bipolar disorder. What you have is a spirit that needs to be cast out so you can have some peace is what you got. This is Greg Locke. I've played this clip before. I just want to give you a little refresher because I got a voicemail about this guy. So he thinks he can cure bipolar disorder by praying it away. That's not the only thing he thinks he can cure either by prayer, by the way. We'll hit that in a second. I wanted to hear what uh, this voicemail caller had to say. Check this out. Hello, uh, this is Jeremy from Georgia. Uh, I noticed in uh, your fireside chat uh, show, you sometimes will bring up that clip of Greg Law talking about bipolar disorder, among other things. Yeah, that's the clip. Uh, here's the remainder of the clip, if you guys haven't seen it. Get him off that medication for about 45 hours and let me and the deliverance team walk up in one of them crazy houses with some Bibles and some anointing oil. And I'm telling you, we can cast out the spirit of multiple personality, insanity, madness, the lunatic spirit. Yeah, absolutely psychotic, man. And again, that is not the only thing that he said he can cure. He wrote a deliverance handbook. The deliverance handbook describes demons and their manifestations, how you can tell you have a demon, okay? So here are some examples of things that'll happen if you've been possessed by a demon. And all you need to stop this stuff is for Greg Locke to come in and exercise that demon from you. Screaming, sweating, burping, coughing, sneezing, yawning, sudden urge to urinate, falling, cursing, sobbing, runny or bloody nose. You got a runny nose? That could be a demon tingling if you have tingling it's not neuropathy it's not a blood pressure problem it's not a circulatory problem it's a demon bitter taste is a demon also itching nervousness twitching vomiting dizziness roaring i don't know what roaring means stomach cramps dry heaving skin irritation and laughter laughter is a sign of a demon apparently oh boy no laughing people there's also the demon of bedwetting in here. That's my favorite. Yeah, here it is. Bedwetting. Boom. Right here. Arrested development. I renounce the medical diagnosis that gives demons legal authority over my life. 
insanity, schizophrenia, nerves, PTSD, Alzheimer's, dementia, bedwetting, autism. Oh, yeah. He thinks he can pray away autism as well. Yep. Madness, hallucinations, numbness. Anyway, yeah, you get the idea. That's Greg Locke and all of his bizarre beliefs about this stuff. It's just, it's it's sad and it's a joke. So, yeah, let's listen to what uh, the caller here has to say. And I just wanted to, to mention um, just how incredibly dangerous his rhetoric is towards that. Uh, I Toward bipolar specifically. I personally, myself, have bipolar, and it, it, it can be a very troublesome disorder for a lot of people. And, you know, I, you, they often don't diagnose younger people with it because, you know, puberty can cause a lot of uh, um, hormone changes, which can cause, you know, a lot of instability. Uh, also, to my knowledge, bipolar disorder doesn't even manifest commonly until you're at least 16 neither does schizophrenia that can that can develop like at any point in your life just about it usually manifests between like 16 and 30 but yeah you just go about your day living your life and all of a sudden you're bipolar just like that it's crazy it's crazy how our brains work yeah my both my parents are bipolar my ex is bipolar. My best friend growing up was bipolar. I've been surrounded by it, so I 100% know. Most important thing is to get medicated, because if you get medicated, then it really, really helps a lot. And it manifests in ways that aren't even written down, you know, Th things that I've noticed that aren't in the DSM that describe it, like bipolar disorder describes swings mood swings of like being manic and being depressed for some period of time can go back and forth between you know it, it can switch between like a day or 10 days or six weeks or six months or even a year sometimes like it just varies but there are things that people don't even connect to bipolar that are a symptom of it grandiosity grandiose beliefs and ideas that's a symptom of bipolar disorder, or can be. My brother has a version of schizophrenia called schizoaffective disorder, which is basically schizophrenia and bipolar disorder combined. Commonly, schizophrenics have paranoid delusions, but he has delusions of grandeur. He believes he's like the biggest and the best and the smartest and the strongest and the everything, you know, as part instead of or in addition to the paranoia, in addition to it. Yeah, it, it can be really bad. Another way that it manifests, sexual promiscuity is common among people who are bipolar. Also, spending money a lot is a symptom. It's something that bipolar people sometimes do, you know. It can really ruin people's lives. It's really hard to deal with. So I'm glad that you see... It sounds like you've gotten it under control. If you've been diagnosed, it sounds like you're doing better than you were before, for sure. People just need to not stigmatize this stuff they need to understand that it's just like a brain state that can be just tweaked and you're good for the most part instead of demonizing people looking down on them or thinking it's bad or wrong or evil or you did something to displease god or you're just inferior in some way you know there's no reason to think any of that stuff it could literally hit anybody at any moment so if you feel like you're like above somebody who has bipolar disorder, just be aware that it could hit you at any time.
Quick note before we continue, I want to let you know I just wrote a book and it's in pre-order status at this immediate moment. If you want to check it out, owenmorgan.com slash book. It's a book about my experiences within Jehovah's Witnesses. I go through their doctrine and everything. It's completely understandable if you know nothing about Jehovah's Witnesses. And if you're a Christian, it's a good reference to use for why Jehovah's Witnesses are wrong about their interpretation of the Bible. The last chapter of the book is 100 questions that I have for the governing body. I'm selling the last chapter separately as its own separate guide, if you guys want to get that too. So check it out, owenmorgan.com slash book. I'd appreciate that. You know, a lot of instability, uh, instability of emotion. And so I wasn't diagnosed until I reached my 20s. And by that point, I was having a lot of issues. Uh, if it weren't for me getting diagnosed, my life would be on a very different path. So just him encouraging... Drug use is also a common uh, symptom of it, like things that you would never expect. Oh, and you know what? There's another one I was thinking of. It's not written down in the DSM, but this like built-in desire to leave, just go. Get in your car and drive and escape. Go anywhere but where you are right now. I saw that with every single bipolar person that, I, that I've ever had in my life, interestingly. Me getting diagnosed, my life would be on a very different path. So just him encouraging people to seek God instead of treating something like that can lead to a lot of issues. And it, it really pains me to see him talk about that kind of stuff. So uh, I just I just wanted to to bring that up to somebody because it, it it's troublesome to listen to. Uh, anyways, I uh, enjoy your show. Uh, have a good one. Yeah, I appreciate it. It is it is really troublesome, and it's not just bipolar disorder. It's all of the other stuff that he talked about. You know, schizophrenia and bedwetting, and I mean, there's some real stuff in there. Dementia, Alzheimer's disease. You know, in the uh, Deliverance Handbook, the Exorcism Handbook, in all seriousness, 100% real, he really does believe that he can exorcise the demon of dementia from somebody. He goes in there in a room with somebody who has dementia and sits down with them and starts praying over them and commanding a demon to get out. And they have no idea what's happening around them right now. They don't even know their own name. And somebody is screaming at them, ordering them to get out. Imagine what that's like. Greg Locke is terrible. Whether intentional or not, whether it, maybe it's just he is a fool. Maybe he's just an idiot. I don't know. But he's damaging to the people around him and broader society either way. Whether he's an idiot or calculated, it's irrelevant. It's just disgusting. Anyway, thanks for the voicemail. Appreciate that. Hey, John. It's John from Arizona. I just wanted to say that I'm really looking forward to the book. And although there is one thing I want to ask about, are you planning at all on like making an ebook? I would love to listen to that in your own voice. Even I'd love for you to read it out loud as an ebook. Anyway, that's it. Have fun. Yeah, appreciate the voicemail. The answer is yes, absolutely. The one thing that really drives me nuts when I'm like, when I hear about people 
that I listen to or whatever writing a book and I really want to read the book. I don't sit down and physically read copies of books. I just don't do it. I don't have the time. I play a game while listening to an audiobook or I'm, you know, editing while listening to an audiobook or something. So I only ever do things in audiobook form. I will be producing an audiobook the moment the final draft is on paper. I'm going to start the audiobook editing process, which is probably going to take me 2 weeks. It's going to take about a month, maybe two months, to finally get the book out to distributors and stuff. Anyway, it's a long process ahead, but I am working on it. Pre-orders may actually be open now. If you guys want to go to owenmorgan.com slash book, audiobook form will be available. Ebook form will be available eventually down the line. But I would appreciate it if you guys took part in the pre-order system and get a physical copy because I'm going to need to use that money to pay for line editing and, you know, printing copies and doing cover art and all the other stuff that goes along with making a book. So, yeah, if you want to hold out until later, you can. But pre-orders, I would really appreciate very much. Oh, and also I'm going to have a copy called The 100 Questions. It's going to be about 16,000 words, much smaller book. 60, 70 pages long, and it's going to be questions for the governing body. It's also the last chapter of the full book. So the full book is kind of my experience with the religion and some details into doctrine. The hundred questions are problems with the religion, effectively. Anyway, they will be available in every form I can possibly release them. Don't forget that pre-order, though. I'd appreciate it. Hey, Owen. Um... Barbara from Washington. Did you notice this last video that you had up? The preacher advocates for most extreme measures against voter fraud. Um, the guy's standing there in his red, white, and blue shirt, and at the bottom of his screen it says promo code robe at mypillow.com. <laughs> yeah, I, I know which one you're talking about. Hey, let me see if I can pull it up. Uh, yeah, this is with Matt Shea dude on the left he's matt shea he aided domestic terrorists and he used his position as a member of congress to do so and uh, the guy on the right is bill cook and he's a christian nationalist extremist the idea that that there's separation of church and state the way that it's been been manipulated by leaders in our government is absurd it's absurd it is a fraud and it is tyranny it, it absolutely and it's is time that every time that every person, every pastor who loves liberty, who loves religious freedom, stands up and says, no, we aren't doing it anymore. We're not, we're not playing this game of separation of church and state anymore. I think that this is the clip that is being referenced by the caller. This, in the corner, this says blackrobereg.org. That's a reference to Black Robe Regiment, not Mike Lindell. I thought that there's a Lindell ad in there too, but l listen one more time here mypillow.com these f***ers are everywhere <laughs> they are they are everywhere absolutely my pillow like mike lindell he advertises with everybody have you ever noticed though that he's never offered like advertisements to anybody like anybody on the left the only people he ever offers his advertisements to are literal Nazis, like people who are avowed fans of Hitler, 
Yeah, I'm not seeing that specific one. You may have been seeing Black Robe Regiment in the corner and thought Robe, Lindell. But um, yeah, Lindell only ever advertises with Nazis. And honestly, the dude needs to stop giving promo codes and start charging a normal price for his stuff because he is hemorrhaging money like mad right now. And he's going to go under. I'm very sure of it. Mike Lindell is going to be broke on the street again sometime in the not-so-distant future. Do you ever wish to go back to your old coat just to have your old friends and... Do I ever wish I I could go back to my old cult? Just to have your old friends and to have more connections? Do I ever wish I could go back to my old cult to have my old friends and old connections? Yes, although I would never go back because... The price I had to pay was way too high. It was not worth it at all. It was absolutely terrible. Everything that I had to do, all of the hoops I had to jump through, it's just not good. I mean, you have to devote so much time of your life to being a member of it. But yes, the community was really valuable. And yeah, I lost a friend, a close friend, you know, what? When I was 16, there was a dude in the congregation who I was really, really good friends with. 15, 16, and 17. Real close to him. He was my best friend of all time, ever. And I lost him. He won't talk to me anymore. He will, he will never talk to me again. I messaged him on Facebook a while back, and he refuses to talk to me. And that sucks. That really sucks. I lost my mom. And that sucked pretty bad, too. But losing everything and everybody is just... It's something that is indescribably bad. So, yeah, I would love to have all those things back. But I recognize now that Jehovah's Witnesses don't understand unconditional love. They don't know what it is. I didn't either till I got on the outside and understood it, learned what it was. For the first time, recognized what love looked like, real love, and what hate looked like. After seeing the stark contrast between those two things, I could never and would never go back. You know, I wrote this book about Jehovah's Witnesses and questions for the governing body and everything. The last few questions of the book that I have for the governing body pertain to love, whether or not they even understand what love is. You know, Jehovah's Witnesses are going through a trial right now in Norway, and the trial is basically to determine, well, if they can keep status as a religion. And they're all, they've already lost their status as a religion, which doesn't mean anything. They can still meet and everything. They're just a normal company. They don't get tax-exempt status. They don't get government subsidies as other religions do. That's it. Oh, and they can't perform marriages. They have to have... A, like an official perform a marriage for them instead. It's not a big deal, honestly. They're just no longer receiving privileges that the government offers to religions. That's it. Anyway, they're going through a court case to determine if they're allowed to regain their status as a religion to receive those privileges. Norway removed the privileges because they shun people, right? And Jehovah's Witnesses changed the wording in their book to basically say... God, well, it was, it, it's, I don't remember what it was now, but it skirted around the issue real, in a real sleazy way. Basically, they don't technically outright mandate shunning 
in every circumstance anymore as of the 2021 edition of the Hel- the elders handbook or something like that but the culture dictates it and you will face judicial action even if you know it's a judicial committee meeting with each other and discussing it and reproving you you know taking privileges away and stuff for talking to a disfellowship person they do punish you for talking to a disfellowship person whether they want to admit that or not so you know i i'm kind of sick of them in a sleazy way skirting around the issue like that this relates to what the caller said do i wish i could go back to my old cult i wish i had those connections no i don't want anything to do with the scumbags at the top that, that do this sleazy stuff Let me give you an idea of my retort to Jehovah's Witnesses sleazy method of kind of skating around the issue of shunning. Question number 98. Why isn't it a disfellowshipping offense for a parent to abandon their children? The Catholic Church controlled entire towns centuries ago. If a member of the town broke a Catholic rule, they wouldn't be able to rent a room anymore. They couldn't buy food or hang out with their friends. The hope is that they'd wander into the woods and die. Excommunication or disfellowshipping is effectively marking a person as dead in the eyes of the shunners. That is the punishment for being gay. That's the punishment for being critical of the religion or having a girlfriend or smoking a cigarette. It's the punishment for a nearly endless list of supposed sins. When I was disfellowshipped in 11th grade, I was kicked out of my home by my mother. I had to drop out of high school. Jehovah's Witnesses seemed to think my mother made the right decision. Not only was she not punished, but status and respect within the congregation seemed to rise when she kicked me out of the house at in 11th grade. Why is abandoning a child not viewed negatively? Why isn't a disfell why isn't it a disfellowshipping offense? Forget Jehovah's Witnesses false claims that they don't shun. Why don't they ban shunning? If they're so desperate to convince the outside world that it isn't a part of their core doctrine, why not guarantee that it doesn't happen by creating a mandate against it? Question number 99. Why do Jehovah's Witnesses have wrath in their heart rather than love? You know, let let me hit 97 first. There's one right before this. Why do Jehovah's Witnesses hate gay people? They have nearly successfully convinced everybody that they don't hate gay people. They love everybody. They love gay people. They just, you know, they just want them to try to live up to God's standards. That's all. We all fall short. They hate gay people. And I'm completely sick of hearing Jehovah's Witnesses say that they don't. Question number 97. Why do Jehovah's Witnesses hate gay people? Jehovah's Witnesses would deny this charge. We don't hate gay people, they'd say. We love everybody. We just want them to meet God's moral expectations. We'll talk about God's moral expectations in a moment, but I claim Jehovah's Witnesses do hate gay people. Take a look at this quote from a 1995 Awake. Quote, a youth who desires to please God must therefore conform to his moral standards and shun immoral behavior though doing so may be agonizingly difficult. True, some individuals are very well prone to homosexuality. I'm sorry. Individuals may very well be prone to homosexuality, just as some individuals are, according to the Bible, prone to wrath. But the Bible still condemns displays of unrighteous anger. Similarly, a Christian cannot excuse immoral behavior by saying he was born that way. Child molesters invoke the same pathetic excuse 
when they say their craving for children is innate. But can anyone deny that their sexual appetite is perverted? So is the desire for someone of the same sex. Jehovah's Witnesses, why do I have these feelings? Awake, February 8th, 1995, page 16. Jehovah's Witnesses view gay people the same way they view child molesters. They view them as morally depraved, dangerous to everybody around them, and believe that their sexual appetite is perverted. Gay people wouldn't exist in a government set up and controlled by Jehovah's Witnesses. If that's not hate, I don't know what is. They can claim that they don't hate them all they want, but it's hard. But it's a hard conclusion to avoid. Now I've drawn a picture for you of what Jehovah's Witnesses look like when they hate somebody. Now let me draw a picture for you of what it looks like when somebody loves somebody else. Jehovah's Witnesses claim to love gay people, just don't like what they're doing, want to live up to their standards, right? Let me draw a picture of real, honest-to-God love for you. Question number 99, why do Jehovah's Witnesses have wrath in their heart rather than love? The last conversation I ever had with my mother ended with her telling me that I was repulsive to her because I'm critical of the Watchtower Society. After being kicked out of my house in 11th grade, I was taken in by a Methodist woman named Sue. She was the great-grandmother of my daughter. Sue knew I believed in Jehovah's Witnesses' doctrine, but she loved me anyway. When she realized that Jehovah's Witnesses were wrong, I'm sorry, when I realized that Jehovah's Witnesses were wrong and walked away from the whole thing, Sue still loved me. When I became addicted to heroin to cope with the loss of everything I ever knew, Sue let me live with her. When I was too destitute to buy Christmas presents for my own wife and daughter, Sue bought presents for them addressed from me. Sue has never called me repulsive. No matter how low I got, Sue was still with me through it. Even after divorcing her granddaughter, she allowed me to live with her and loved me as if I were her own son. She was the perfect embodiment of the qualities Jesus expected from his followers. She took care of the poor and loved everybody, no matter what. Sue was my real mother for all intents and purposes. Sue died on September 21st, 2022. She had nothing but love in her heart. Every Jehovah's Witness I've ever known has disowned me and looked at me with disgust. They even call me repulsive, the same way they call child molesters repulsive or pitiful or perverted. They persecute me. They do not follow Jesus' example. Sue did. Why do Jehovah's Witnesses have hate and wrath in their hearts instead of love, as Jesus commanded? Why do they pretend to love everybody while being selective about the love that they show? Why do they believe God will save them when they are the embodiment of the goats described in Jesus' sheep and goats parable at Matthew 25, 31-46? Jehovah's Witnesses hate gay people. They hate ex-Jehovah's Witnesses, disfellowshipped people, apostates, anybody that's critical of the religion to any degree. They hate them. I don't care what language they want to use. I don't care if they claim they shun or not. I don't care if they remove shunning from their little book of shunning offenses. I don't care. 
They have wrath and hate in their hearts, and they don't understand what love is. They are incapable of it until they experience it themselves. They mandate hate and wrath. So no more BS from Jehovah's Witnesses. No more we love everybody. I don't want to hear it. Anyway, that's the end. I I really wanted to drive home the juxtaposition between hate and love that Jehovah's Witnesses love to play off of all the time. So hopefully I accomplished that. Uh, That is not the end end. There's like a lot more to it, but I don't want to get into it. You guys are going to have to buy it if you want to know the end. (laughs) Next up, there's another court battle over intelligent design right now. This time, it's taking place in West Virginia. Anybody surprised? Apparently, West Virginia Republicans are trying to file a bill to get intelligent design taught in classrooms. Let's talk about the tactics and what intelligent design even is. We'll be right back. Don't forget to check out my Patreon and check out my website and email list for early access to uncensored, ad-free, complete videos. All links are in the description. Darwin didn't know anything about the foundation of life. He and his contemporaries thought that the cell was a little piece of jello, protoplasm, they'd call it. This is a supposed professor named Michael Behe. I think is is how it's pronounced. He claims to be a professor of biochemistry at Lehigh University. I've never heard of that, but Lehigh is a Mormon character. So is it a Mormon school? I don't know. Anyway, the reason I'm showing you this guy right now is because he's advocating for intelligent design. And there's something going on in the world of intelligent design right now. If you don't know what intelligent design is, I'll tell you. We'll talk about it in a second. But It's basically a challenge to evolution. They're trying to disprove evolution effectively. So there's this uh, article I wanted to talk about on the Friendly Atheist website, friendlyatheist.com. It has a substack, I believe. West Virginia Republicans refile bill to get intelligent design in classrooms with a twist. Is anybody surprised that it was West Virginia schools doing this? Honestly, absolutely absurd. Let me show you this video from this Michael Behe guy, just to give you a little idea of what intelligent design is exactly. Now, it turns out, if any of these parts are missing, the trap doesn't work. This is holding a mouse trap if you're listening. So, not only is it complex, it's what I called irreducibly complex. You can't take a part away and still have it work. If you- Okay, I suppose. Took away this hammer, you know, the mice don't get caught, take away the spring or the holding bar, any of the pieces, it doesn't work. Now, the problem for Darwin's theory is, is that, number one, the molecular foundation of life is, is run by machines. The cell is run by actual machines. No, they aren't machines. They operate similarly to machines, I suppose. They're not machines, though. They're cells. That's why they have the name cell, because they're cells. This is what I like to call a runaway analogy. Jehovah's Witnesses do this all the time. He's taking an analogy, something that's analogous to what he's talking about, a mousetrap, right? And he's saying this mousetrap would not function if we took one of the parts away. Well, yeah, that's true. And he's saying, well, this mousetrap is exactly like the cell. No, it's not at all. Everything that has come to be has had a transitionary period. How do you think the wing evolved? People say that the wing, or better yet, the eye. The eye has evolved 
at least five times independently throughout nature, I think. It started out as a light sensor because, you know, photo, uh, the light has been the source of energy production for since the dawn of time, since the very beginning, basically. And the closer to a light source something is, the more they benefit from that, the more energy they take in. So evolution basically selected for things that had more sensitivity to light. You know, it could have started out as a sensitivity to warmth, for example. Maybe they have a, a little, like a membrane that senses warmth or, or senses like different colors or different, or not different colors, but different brightness or, or whatever. And the ones that can sense brightness, say little organisms in the ocean, the ones that can sense it will swim up toward the brightness and benefit from more sunlight. The ones that don't sense brightness will just float around doing what they were doing and they will not benefit as much. Evolution comes in three stages, really, or, or three pillars. The first one is gene duplication. Every time there's a reproduction of any kind, sexual or asexual, splitting off or whatever, genes are multiplied, they're duplicated, like entire sets. Like we have like three or four genes for blue eyes, for example. We don't need all of that. That's the first pillar, gene duplication. The second one is mutation. Every now and then, one of those keys on that gene mutates. It changes. It alters. So now, instead of blue eyes, somebody gets an, an altered gene that turns their eyes green. Is that beneficial? Not really. That's why, you know, green eyes, blue eyes are not really favored in any way. But those who have beneficial traits have a, a better opportunity to reproduce, to... Uh, propagate they survive better and that's the third pillar selection selection can come in a variety of forms natural selection sexual selection artificial selection all kinds of different forms of selection that's how evolution works so the ones that could sense light better had more reproduction cycles they took in more energy and all you had to start with was one little membrane that could kind of sense light a little bit and from there that specific thing got better and better and better and better and better at sensing light until we ended up with the eye. Again, the eye has reproduced or the eye has independently appeared like five or more times in nature, completely separate from any others. So this mousetrap thing that he's doing here, runaway analogy. Yeah, eyes are extremely complex and you would think that they'd be irreducible, right? You have rod cells, you have cone cells. One senses light, one senses color, and you have like a pupil that dilates, that makes the light come in at a certain, like there are a whole bunch of pieces here that if you just took one away, it wouldn't function anymore. It's irreducibly complex, seemingly, but it's not a top-down build order. It's a, a bottom-up build order. So every time we have some mutation, some new thing, some alteration in our genes, one little thing, one tiny thing can change and give us an advantage over other populations of other demographics. You know, the, we didn't start out with wings, for example, like birds didn't always have wings. For a while, they just had like uh, nubs that stuck out. You know, they had feathers and some of them that had longer nubs could jump a lot 
higher and they could go further when they jumped. Like chickens, if you throw a chicken, for example, it'll flap its wings and it'll come to a slow, light fall. It won't crash into the ground. That is like a transition between a full-blown wing, the ability to fly, and just being being able to jump a little bit better than you could previously. Elephants right now are evolving away tusks because they're being hunted to extinction for their tusks. The elephants that aren't hunted for their tusks because they don't have any are surviving and reproducing faster than the ones that are being hunted for their tusks. And that's causing the population of elephants to evolve tusks away, basically. That's how evolution works. There is no irreducible complexity about this. It's been unequivocally and beyond a shadow of a doubt proven. Evolution is a fact. It's not a theory. It's not a law. It is a fact. There is a fact of evolution, and the fact of evolution plays into the overarching framework that that describes the world around us, known as a theory. So anyway, let's listen to this professor tell us about intelligent design some more with his runaway analogy while I give you air quotes. Actual machines made out of molecules. Says they're actual machines in cells. No, they're cells. People find that fantastic, but hey, that's, that's the way it is. There are little machines that act like uh, outboard motors that can propel cells along. What was that? Did he say act like? I feel like he just said act like motors. Because the second ago he said they are machines. Who is this guy anyway? I got to know. Michael Behe Lehigh. What is, all right, Lehigh University. Let's find out what, let's find out what uni, uh, Lehigh University is. What is, all right, Lehigh University. Let's find out what, let's find out what uni, uh, Lehigh University is. Private Research University in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Wow, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. In the Lehigh Valley region of eastern Pennsylvania, university was established in 1865 by businessman Asa Packer, initially affiliated with the Episcopal Church. Oh, so it's a religious university. It was originally affiliated. Is it not any longer? Hold on. I'm just trying to figure this out. Let's just look at the Wikipedia page. Private Research University, undergrad program, have been co-educational since 71 to 72 academic year. As of 2019, university had 5,000 undergrads and 1,800 grad students. It has five colleges, PC Rawson College of Engineering, Applied Science, College of Arts and Sciences, so on and so forth. U.S. News and World Report's best colleges ranking ranked Lehigh tied for 47th among national universities, tied for 26th for best undergrad teaching. Wow, is this a legitimate university? It's a for-profit college, so I'm automatically skeptical, but what I'm seeing seems to imply that it's legit. I thought for sure it was going to be some kind of a questionable university. Huh. I think it's I think it's legit. One might even say too legit to quit. Michael Behe, Lehigh University. All right, let's look into this dude. Michael Behe, PhD. Oh, wow, look, right on his Lehigh University page, he has that stupid mousetrap. I'm interested in the evolution of complex biochemical systems. Despite much progress by science in the past half century in understanding how such systems work, little progress has been made in explaining how they arrive. What are you talking about? Of of course it has. We have a ton of science. We understand this stuff flawlessly. And the things that we don't fully understand yet, 
The answer is not, it's literally impossible. The answer is, well, we just don't know yet. This dude is a joke. I don't know if this university is legit or not, but I have hard doubt that it is just based on the fact that this guy is one of the professors, A, and B, that they would even allow something this stupid on his page, on his Lehigh University faculty page. Who is this dude? and other machines that carry cargo from one part of a cell to another. And those machines, just like pretty much any machine, and including the mousetrap, have a number of different parts performing different roles. Okay, I guess it depends on what you mean by machine, right? And they're all needed for the machine to work. Darwin's theory of uh, evolution requires that natural selection favor an organism that has a very small change that helps the organism. Doesn't have to be a small change. It can be a dramatic change all at once. It could be the case that the genes are duplicated. And I think on average, when a baby is born, it has an average of like 70 gene mutations, for example, a human baby. Don't quote me on that. I think that's the case. 70 gene mutations. So imagine gene duplication, and then 70 mutations on top of that. Imagine the dramatic changes that could take place. We see dramatic changes all the time in humans. A lot of the time, they're negative. Sometimes they're really, really valuable, really positive. There's somebody who's an Olympic swimmer, I think, who has this mutation in their genes that makes it so that they don't have lactic acid buildup in their muscles. So they never, basically their muscles never get tired. They just keep on going, going, going. That is a valuable gene mutation. It can be slight, too, but add up to dramatic changes overall. And you never know how things are going to be useful when, you know, when it all comes together anyway. This guy can't possibly not know this, right? He must know this. I got a GED, okay? I dropped out of high school. I got a two-year degree in substance abuse counseling. Uh, everything that I know about evolution is self-taught. I didn't learn any of this in schools. And this guy's a professor. You cannot tell me that he doesn't know this. All change that helps the organism do something better. So if we're taking that view of Darwinism, we can ask how could something like this, something like a mousetrap, be put together one tiny step at a time. Well, we don't need to understand how a mouse trap, I'm sorry, how a mouse trap could be put together one step at a time because mouse traps are not put together one step at a time inside of cells. This is a runaway analogy. And it turns out <laughs> it's surprisingly difficult. You Yeah, it is surprisingly difficult with cells even. It takes millions of years, billions even. In fact, there are some events that took place evolutionarily that are that only ever happened once, one single time. We used to have prokaryotes, I think it was called, prokaryotes. They're basically single-celled organisms incapable of building multiple cells. And they ran off of this power source called ATP. I could be getting this wrong. I'll have my editor check, fact check everything. If you are listening to me say it right now in this final form, everything I said just now is accurate. Prokaryotes and archaea are the, are the two primary types of life that were on the earth billions of years ago. Prokaryotes, uh, they were both single cells. 
So uh, prokaryotes were going around gobbling things up. And one day, a prokaryote absorbed an archaea. Instead of digesting that archaea, it kept the archaea inside and basically generated like energy for it. It generated ATP for that prokaryote. And of course, asexual reproduction, it split off and the next one. So it, it basically, it, it was a single event that took place that was one in a trillion. It was so incredibly unlikely that this would happen, but it happened once and that's all it needed. After that, it had mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell. Now prokaryotes could generate as much energy as they needed basically because they had a core that was doing it for them. The point is that there are some very, very difficult things that took place, some extremely unlikely things. But guess what? Over the course of four and a half billion years with a B, do you know how long it takes to count to a million? It takes 11 days, 11 days. Do you know how long it takes to count to a billion? It takes 31 years to count to a billion. 11 days versus 31 years. It took four and a half billion years to get to where we are today. And there are like five, at least, separate events that are so extremely unlikely that they only ever happened a single time. And life wouldn't exist as it is today if they didn't. So yeah, it's a difficult process. Absolutely, I agree. 100%. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. It means it took it billions of years to happen. Just because one is educated does not mean that they're brilliant or even bright, as you obviously are. I appreciate that. I think you give the professor too much credit. Yeah, well, you know, to get to this level, he has to at least show that he understands the core concepts in his field of research. He's a biochemistry research professor, I believe. He must understand evolution to have gotten to this point, right? You know, if you just had the wooden platform, just the bottom, that doesn't catch mice. If you put on, say, this, this holding bar, you might say, well, maybe if a mouse is running along, it would trip on the platform and impale itself on the holding bar. <laughs> but that's, that's kind of just silly. No, no, that's exactly how these things happen. Again, runaway analogy, this doesn't even apply to evolution at all. But if there's even a 0.01% chance that this will be slightly more beneficial to anything, to a living organism, then it reproduces more than the ones that don't have it. That is the concept behind gene duplication, mutations, and selection, the selection process. It's not silly. That's how it works. Uh, so this can't be made gradually. So that's a big problem for Darwin's theory because... No, it's not a problem for Darwin's theory. Pretty much the foundation of life these things are, are all over the place. And furthermore, you can ask yourself, well, how do we recognize intelligence? And it turns out that the way that we recognize intelligence is by what I called a purposeful arrangement of parts. And that's when different parts are put up in relationship to each other. How you recognize intelligence. Okay, well, I don't think that that's anybody else's definition, but I suppose you can have your own definition. Where you can see that they have a purpose. That is, the arrangement has a purpose. 
an easy example are letters in a word. You know, people put the letters in to form a word. Words. Like, what does he even mean by intelligence exactly? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, dogs can arrange things in certain ways, right? Does that mean there's intelligence in dogs? What is he trying to define? Is he trying to define intelligence or life? I can't tell. To make a sentence and so on. And not only is this arrangement, uh, this can't be put together gradually, but we immediately see that the arrangement of these parts has a purpose. And so we immediately grasp the intelligence that was... Oh, so everything that's arranged that is useful to something or somebody or whatever was created by an intelligence is what he's saying. Interesting. So if I find a rock out in the desert that is perfect for sitting right outside, like right next to an oasis, which is perfect for drinking, that's a purpose. And I can assume that a, an intelligence put those there for me. That's what he's saying. I mean, I'm not even being facetious. This is what he's trying to explain. This is insane. How is this guy this wrong? How, how is it that he doesn't understand the most basics of his field of research, seemingly? Needed to produce something like this. And again, I can't emphasize enough that Darwin didn't know anything about the foundation of life. He, uh, okay. he and his contemporaries thought that the cell was a little piece of jello, protoplasm. That sure. And I don't understand, so? Call it. And it was mysterious, you know, did cool stuff, but they didn't know how, so they pretty much ignored it. I don't, so what? Who cares? Yeah, Darwin lived in like the 1800s. Of course he didn't understand all this stuff. We learned about all this stuff later. He's acting as though Darwin is like, like he wrote a Bible that is unchangeable and infallible and permanent and fixed and we learn from it today like he wrote this book origin of species or whatever it was and we dissect every single word to figure out how things work like what are you even talking about right now but uh modern science has shown that it's the cell is a lot like a ultra sophisticated nanoscale factory um, okay, I suppose. Are far beyond anything that humans could produce. And mm, okay, uh, you know, he's losing me here, but whatever. And again, they're, they're just chock full of machinery that are, is much more sophisticated than this simple little mousetrap. So, um, so not only have I become skeptical of Darwin, but, you know, uh, you can... Like, be skeptical of Darwin. He was a fool. He had no idea what he's talking about. He was also racist, wasn't he? He's not some hero, some, like, god. His words are not infallible. I don't care about Darwin. Great. Be skeptical of Darwin. So not only have I become skeptical of Darwin, but, you know, uh, you can readily see the design in life. So uh, I've argued that, that uh, many of these machines were purposefully designed. You don't say. You've argued that, huh? I don't know who this dude is, but he's a joke. Anyway, now you know what intelligent design is, now that we've talked about it a little bit, just in case you were unfamiliar. Most people probably already knew, but it's good to have a little refresher. Let's talk about uh, the Friendly Atheist article here. West Virginia Republicans refile bill to get intelligent design in classrooms with a twist. 
Intelligent design is pseudoscience at best. It's nonsense. And it was adjudicated in the Scopes Monkey Trial, I think is what it's called, back in the 20s or 30s. It was decided that intelligent design is not science. It is pseudoscience. Evolution is scientific and should be taught in schools. I don't remember when the case took place. Once again, West Virginia Republicans are trying to inject intelligent design in public school science classes. State Senator Amy Grady. State Senator? I didn't know that. District 4. Interesting. Okay. State Senator Amy Grady, along with her colleagues Jay Taylor, Mike Stewart, Roland A. Roberts, Rupi Phillips, Vince Deeds, Eric J. Tarr, and Michael T. Azinger, recently filed Senate Bill 280, which would add a clause to state code permitting teachers to tell kids some higher power poofed them into existence. Here's part of the bill highlighted in red. It says, teachers in public schools, including public charter schools, that include any one or more of grades kindergarten through 12, may teach intelligent design as a theory of how the universe and or humanity came to exist. This is a joke. Intelligent design did not happen, okay? Look, you want to believe that God poofed it into existence? Great. That is fine with me. I am all... Believe it. Great. Fine. But God used evolution to bring us to where we are today. At the very least, the universe is a fine-tuned machine that operates autonomously and flawlessly. And it, it operates so well that it looks as though there's nobody on the outside doing anything. It looks like it could do everything itself. It looks like it came to be on its own. Now, maybe God did that. Maybe he kick-started it and made it look like he wasn't anywhere in the system. Sure, great. But what we observe around us, evolution and the Big Bang and cosmic background radiation and abiogenesis and all that other stuff, that is scientific information that we have learned. Objective information. Objective facts. Intelligent design is a misrepresentation of, at, at best, it's a misrepresentation of God's creation, if you, if you will. If that's, what, if that's how you want to view it, it's at least a misrepresentation of how God did it. It's nonsense. The bill that was introduced didn't define intelligent design. All you need to know about it, though, is that there's no scientific support for the idea. Get! Quit it! Cat's fighting, sorry. Wow, it didn't define intelligent design. That is not good. Ambiguity in bills is a bad thing because those that ambiguity will be used to create loopholes and all bets are off when loopholes appear. It stands in direct opposition to evolution and is nothing more than a religious myth promoted by Christians as a way to push God into the classroom using a plausibly legal framework since creationism wouldn't make the cut. Even more bizarre, the bill added that clause to a part of, of the state code that currently says teachers can't be forced to change a grade and that teachers should decide if a student can move on to the next grade level, which is to say they shoved this procreationism bit in the first place they could find. Oh, interesting. So the bill, the part of the state code said teachers can't be forced to change a grade. The reason that that's controversial right now is because a lot of schools are changing it to make it so that your grade can't be lower than a 50. Basically, if you 
don't turn something in or if you do really, really poorly, you, you got 20% of the answers correct, you can't get less than a 50. By doing that, it makes it a little bit easier for people to pass the class. Like if they miss an assignment, it doesn't bring their grade down from an A to like a D or something. They still have an opportunity to pull it up. And uh, some teachers are fighting back at that and saying they should be able to put zeros down. I don't know. I, I, I would have to think about it. Like my opinion on this completely depends on the scientific information. Is it more beneficial to students to be allowed to get a 50% rather than a 0% on failed assignments? There is an objective answer there. I just don't know what it is. This is nothing more than an attempt to destroy science classes by giving teachers leeway and legal cover to spread misinformation to students. If the bill were to pass, you can expect a lawsuit to be filed. After all, intelligent design advocates, or pejoratively, C-design proponentists, uh, pro proponentists, I don't understand, have already lost this battle in federal court before. For now, the bill has been referred out of the Senate Education Committee, which happens to be chaired by Grady herself with no audible objections. Wow. That tells you a lot about how little West Virginia cares about public schools. Tell me about it. I know I found out the hard way. My kid's teacher a couple years ago, we, ha we had to leave the state because my kid's teacher was talking about basically how um, God would save you if you just leaned on him. It was a sex ed class, and she said, Sex is for after marriage, and you need to pray, 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 and try to slip this stuff in a little at a time so I don't get in too much trouble. I mean, it was bad, and we reported her to the superintendent. They did an investigation for a day and closed it. She was deemed innocent and, you know, kept her job, kept her everything. Nothing bad happened. Just, it was disgusting, dude. People driving down by our houses, honking their horns and slashing our tires and threatening us to burn our house down and everything. It was nuts. When you get in seventh grade, we go a tad bit further. And then when you get in eighth grade, you start studying how dangerous sexual thinking and behavior, what it can do to you. Sexual thinking and behavior is dangerous. It can do something to you. Sexual thinking, do something to you. Okay. Okay. And the one thing is, I'm hoping brought up by a good family or person. A good family or person. And pray tell, what does that entail? What does one have to do to be a good family and or person? Person, whoever's raising you, that they're teaching you right from wrong and that it's not okay to be sexually active. So if your parent is not teaching you, it's not okay to be sexually active until marriage. They're not a good person. If you look at the Bible, it says sex isn't for love. It is for what? When is the time you should? After marriage. After marriage. This is just wrong, dude. Absolutely wrong. Anyway, yeah, it was a big thing. People donated to help me, like, get out of the state and everything. It was crazy. Uh, can never thank my fans enough for all the help that they they offer. I, I couldn't have gotten out of the state without their help. Anyway, that was in a West Virginia classroom. Absolutely psychotic. Uh, Hammond Matta doesn't have to tell me that West Virginia doesn't care about their kids in their classrooms. As a matter of fact, Hammond Matta was helping me through that situation, advising me, telling me I should go through the proper channels first and telling me what to do next and so on and so forth. He was actually a math teacher for a while, I think. Anyway, 
The bill did go uh, did undergo one change before it passed out of the committee on Tuesday. The phrase intelligent design was replaced with scientific theories. The latest version of the bill now says teachers can't be prevented from discussing or answering questions from students about scientific theories of how the universe and or humanity came to exist. Okay, well, intelligent design is not a scientific theory. It's a pseudoscientific creationist conspiracy theory is what it is. Yeah, I just I like I don't know what they thought they were accomplishing. I guess maybe they expect to come along later and modify it to include intelligent design as a scientific theory or something. I don't know. That makes the entire bill meaningless. Teachers can already talk about those theories in the classroom. What they can't do is lie to students by responding with ideas that have no basis in science, like intelligent design or creationism. If this revised bill passed, it would still be illegal to teach intelligent design as if it had any legitimacy among scientists. To put it another way, if teaching scientific theories about the origins of our existence are permitted in the classroom, that would, by definition, exclude intelligent design and creationism, which are not scientific. Not that Republicans seem to understand any of this. The, the revision gave one lawmaker everything he needed to support the bill. Quote, Senator Charles Trump, ugh said he had heartburn over a version of the bill that appeared before the committee during last year's session. I ended up deciding that I would have to vote against it, he said. This committee substitute has addressed the concerns that I had last year, and I'm happy to say that I am now able to support it. ACLU of West Virginia got involved, apparently. What does that even mean? Of course he can support it. The revised bill says teachers can teach legitimate science in the classroom. What they can't do is promote intelligent design or creationism. If there's any confusion here, it's only because Republicans went so far right that they circled back around at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely ridiculous, man, the whole thing. On Tuesday, before the revision was made, the ACLU of West Virginia threatened to file a lawsuit if the bill passed. I love everything about it. The ACLU is awesome, man. I love that organization. We don't teach astrology and astronomy class. We don't teach alchemy and chemistry class. We won't be teaching creationism in biology class either. SB 280, allowing intelligent design in public schools, is unconstitutional. We'll see the state in court if it passes. I love it, dude. Absolutely love it. This is sad, man. Oh, no. Two Hurricane High School juniors. I, I know Hurricane High. It's actually pronounced Hurricane. I was actually pretty close to Hurricane High. I knew where it was. I knew people there. I, you know, lived in the area. God, this is like really... West Virginia is such a train wreck for education. Two Harkin High School juniors, Hayden Hodge and Hunter Bernard, promoted the bill to the panel. Hodge, who also addressed the senators last year, said the idea came to him from a science teacher who wished he could discuss intelligent design as an option, but feared repercussions. Yeah, I, I would hope he would fear repercussions for teaching pseudoscience. I'd be a little upset with people if they were teaching homeopathy in chemistry class or something. Yeah, you should expect repercussions for that. Anyway, this is just a joke, man. These people are jokes. Keep reading here. Hodge reminded them that intelligent design is agnostic, meaning it only proposes some kind of consciousness behind the design of the universe. It's not biblical creationism. It doesn't posit any attributes of the consciousness or promote any religious precepts. It doesn't even challenge the theory of evolution. Only evolution's precept that the formation of the universe was blind and undirected. 
It could be God, or it could be Flying Spaghetti Monster, he said. Look, if there was any legitimacy at all to be found in intelligent design, I'd be all over it. There isn't. There's no reason to believe this. It is nonsense. You can believe it if you want, but you're not basing your belief on fact. You're basing it on opinion. At one point in time, we understood the difference between the two. This is Hemet Mehta speaking again. That's just embarrassing for them. Intelligent design is 100% creationism wearing a trench coat and fake mustache. Oh, absolutely. It was only created for creationists by creationists. And if these kids had a science teacher who desperately wanted to lie to kids, that teacher had no business being in a classroom. The fact that they're already this confused about intelligent design reveals that their school has failed them. Yeah, I agree. Sadly, that's not just this school. It's West Virginia schools. All, like, all of them, basically. More to the point, if this revised bill passes, their science teacher still couldn't discuss intelligent design in class. So if Republicans are taking a victory lap, it's because they don't even know what they're fighting for anymore. Grady and Taylor, the senators, I think, attempted to file an identical bill with the phrase intelligent design last year. It passed in the state Senate 27 to 6 with one absence before it died in the House Education Committee. Perhaps this new bill will be more successful. Keep in mind that the House didn't vote against the bill. They just didn't give it a consideration, perhaps because of a lack of time. Wow, that is sad. I mean, uh, the West Virginia House, I'm sure, is decked out with Republicans. And for some reason, it's Republicans that keep pushing intelligent design bills. This is ridiculous. That happens often, but West Virginia has more than enough Republicans who could pass this bill if they wanted to. If they succeed, and if there's confusion about what the bill does or does not allow, it'll only make lives worse for the teachers who already work in the state, ranked 47th in education. My God. Parts of this article were published earlier, because Republicans never learn. Wow, man. That is sad. That is straight up sad. I'm just glad I got out of there, for real. That place is terrible. Anyway, let me know what you think about it in the comments. This is just sad. Next up, there's an Oklahoma representative that was just elected to state Congress named Dusty Devers. This dude wants to ban sexting. 20-year prison sentence for somebody who sends a sext and a one-year prison term for the recipient. This is psychotic. We'll be right back. Don't forget to check out my Patreon and check out my website and email list for early access to uncensored, ad-free, complete videos. All links are in the description. Is that authority prescribed in the scriptures? And we would say, yes, God prescribes uh, servants of his to govern as his mediators in this on this earth. Holy Christ, dude. This is Dusty Devers. If you're unfamiliar, he's an Oklahoma state senator, I believe, just sworn in. To my knowledge, he beat Larry Bush. He got 55.5%. He got 3,000 votes. My God, dude. Wait. Yeah, State Senate District 32. Okay, so he's a, he's an Oklahoma State Senator. Dude, there are so many absolutely insane state-level Oklahoma people right now. Honestly, federal-level Oklahoma people, too. This guy wants to create a Christian nationalist state, and he also wants to ban... Uh, how do I say this polite? He wants to ban illicit images. You know, you go home, you feel like hanging out and playing a game, and so you pull up some stuff and you're looking at some illicit images on the uh, the electric internet machine. 
or you, you got your old penthouse magazine pulled up. Yeah, he wants to ban all of that. He doesn't want that to exist anymore. And he also wants to ban sexting outside of marriage. I'm not even joking. This guy is the quintessential Christian nationalist. And so he has prescribed governing. And uh, By the way, this clip here that we're listening to, this is from late January 2024. Governing. And then he has also prescribed the means for our governing. And that means is in accordance with his word. So he's basically saying God put him into a position of authority in government because he wants a Christian nationalist state, right? Yeah, adult entertainment. That's a good one. Thank you. Yeah. He wants to ban adult entertainment. What happened to freedom? I thought these people were all about freedom. And if we do otherwise, then we are essentially uh, usurping the sovereign rule of God through Christ, who has been seated above every power in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Uh, so that's our marching orders, and it's pretty straightforward. That Those are our marching orders. It is so disturbing to hear Christian nationalist nutcases frame themselves up as like literal, actual soldiers in a war. My God, dude. As far as... Uh, you know, if you want to talk about Christian nationalism, what we mean by a Christian nation. That is insane. This guy wants a full-blown... I mean, he's not even denying the Christian nationalists, but usually they like to play coy and pretend that they're not Christian nationalists. He's just embracing it, seemingly. That's nuts. There's another clip from the exact same interview, late January 2024. Listen to this next one. Either you are obeying God or you're going to listen to the serpent who says, did God really say? So it's either you're coming under the rule of God, your creator, who is also gracious and sent his son, or you're going to come under the rule of the serpent. So either you're following God and you are a Christian nationalist nutcase, or you're demonic. That's what he's saying. You're uh, an apostate of Satan. So the fact that we don't live in a Christian nationalist state means that Satan is controlling everything. This guy needed help and never received it. So it's a serpentine theocracy or a, a rule of God, and there's not a space in the middle. And so I think when people hear me talk about these kinds of things, they think, well, that, that violates our sensibilities that there's this neutral space, and that's the best way to govern. Yes, absolutely. There's supposed to be neutral space where everybody can live. Wow, he understands. That tells me he knows. He gets it. He understands that there are people of all backgrounds and creeds and religions and races and whatevers in the United States. It's a country of so many different types of people. He understands that. And simultaneously, in addition to understanding that, wants to force everybody to live under the control of Christianity. He wants this to be a Christian rulership, but not just Christian. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't want this either. He wants his specific version of Christianity set in, like put into power. If you're a Catholic, he doesn't want you anywhere near power. If you are a Jehovah's Witness, for example, Jehovah's Witnesses aren't involved in politics, but if you are one, he doesn't want you near power. 
He doesn't want Mormons near power. He doesn't want Presbyterians or Episcopals or Methodists or any of the others in power. He wants his version of, I don't know, what is he? A Southern Baptist, maybe? Or, God, is he NIFB? Like, I don't know what. Some form of Pentecostal, probably, is what he is. Non-denominational, they like to call themselves. He wants his version of Christianity to be in power and no other. Psychotic. That we're going to get win some and lose some, and compromise is the uh, currency of pol- politics, and you just have to play play politics. And I don't, it, I, I'll play politics if we're talking about Jesus King, and we obey Him, and anything He says to do is what is best, and it will happen in accordance with His will and His timing. So he says, I will play politics if it means putting God into power. Jesus Christ, dude. I don't have to worry about the results. I'll play politics like that, but I won't play politics if you think that there's a space to take God's rule and reign and to tamper with it and to uh, to uh, uh, practice cunning with the Scripture. To practice cunning with the Scripture. This guy is insane. He wants a Christian a theocracy, effectively. That's what he's shooting for, and he won't settle for less. This is a problem. It is a problem that we have people like this in office. Yeah, there's a uh, Daily Beast article about this guy. This bill would ban single people from sending sexy selfies. As a podcast, apparently. I Baptist pastor Dusty Devers was elected to the Oklahoma Senate in December 2023. He's wasting no time pushing forward his ultra-conservative agenda, including getting rid of no-fault divorce in the state. He's getting rid of no-fault divorce. You must have a reason to divorce your spouse. This is exactly how Jehovah's Witnesses viewed it. You know, my dad was terribly abusive to my mom, to me, and the rest of my family. And she was not allowed to leave because there is no exception in Jehovah's Witnesses rules for abuse. It's either he committed adultery or he didn't. If he didn't, you stay married. That's just what it is. You figure it out. Abuse is a justification to separate from him temporarily with the assumption that you will go back. And guess what? My mom always went back to him because she's always pushed into it by the elders. I remember I was there. I saw this happen. In fact, I was the one going back with her. She's bringing me back to him because the elders encouraged it. He's your husband. You have to be together. Jehovah wants you together. That's what Dusty Devers wants with this. This is just one bill he's pushing. No-fault divorce. Quick note before we continue, I want to let you know I just wrote a book, and it's in pre-order status at this immediate moment. If you want to check it out, owenmorgan.com book. It's a book about my experiences within Jehovah's Witnesses. I go through their doctrine and everything. It's completely understandable if you know nothing about Jehovah's Witnesses. And if you're a Christian, it's a good reference to use for why Jehovah's Witnesses are wrong about their interpretation of the Bible. The last chapter of the book is 100 questions that I have for the governing body. I'm selling the last chapter separately as its own separate guide, if you guys want to get that too. So check it out, owenmorgan.com book. I'd appreciate that. Elizabeth Nolan Brown, senior editor at Reason Magazine, told the new Abnormals co-host Andy Levy that Senator Devers has now introduced a bill that would ban all adult entertainment. Under the bill, single people who are caught sexting could theoretically be thrown in jail for 20 years, and the recipient of the sext might face a year 
in prison. That's insane. Quote, this bill is broad enough to include any person's like butt selfie, for example, but it includes live performances in play. So that would seem to include strip clubs, definitely, and maybe also burlesque and drag performances and things like that. Oh, if it doesn't, ex- you know, if it's broad enough, Republicans will absolutely twist it to any ends, to twist it into whatever they want it to be. If they don't like people dressing in drag, they'll throw them in jail if it's broad enough and it allows for it. That's disturbing, man. It also contains this weird clause where it says this is not meant to go after married couples who are communicating with each other. So it has this weird carve out if you're sexting while married. This guy needs help. Nolan Brown said while she doesn't believe the proposed legislation will pass in Oklahoma, Republican lawmakers are writing very broad bills that could be used by extremists. Yeah, probably won't pass, but that's the thing. It doesn't need to pass to be a gauge for where the legislature is in their heads, like where they stand, where we are as a society, what we believe as, you know, as a group, a people group. How did this guy get voted in? He didn't hide this. You know, these right wing extremists, they don't hide their beliefs or opinions or ideals or whatever. They're pretty upfront. This is Dusty Devers shortly after getting elected. I believe this one is from December 2023. I think it took being honest, being forthright, and, and it, for me, it takes a, hard, a lot of hard work, and it took a church who was... Obey God, defy tyrants. I love everything about that shirt. It is so self-contradictory. God is a tyrant in the Bible. Like, you can appreciate tyranny. You can think it's a good thing. You can like it, whatever. But God's a tyrant. If, not, uh, if God isn't a tyrant, I don't know who is, right? This shirt just shows how completely brainwashed the guy is. A lot of hard work, and it took a church who was going to um, stand alongside us. I've, I've told people I would. Oh, by the way, just one, one more quick note. I'm sorry. See this guy wearing earplugs? What is he, a girl? Real men don't wear earplugs. Matter of fact, you know what real men do? They stick the gun right up next to their ear when they fire it. He should try that if he wants to be a real man. <laughs> hard work and it took a church who was going to um, stand alongside us. I've, I've told people I wouldn't have run if it were not for the church who was going to hold me accountable, but also provide lots of wisdom and hard work. And hard work. Dusty Devers thinks God is going to hold him accountable and push him to put in a lot of hard work. And what's that hard work going to entail? Banning sexting and adult entertainment. That's what. I mean, there are already bills that are setting out to ban or heavily curtail adult entertainment in a variety of different states right now. Devers will be sworn in on December 20th at 11 a.m. December 20th, 11 a.m. Freshman uh, congressman in Oklahoma, state senator, I think, or state congressman. That is insane. Listen to this one. This is from early December 2023, the same month that he was elected, just three weeks before he was actually sworn in. Today, I want to ask and answer the question, what must you and I do to love our IVF embryonic neighbors as ourselves? If you don't know what IVF is, in vitro fertilization, embryonic neighbors, he says, IVF is used for people who can't get pregnant because 
for one reason or another, the fetus will not like attach to the uterus or there's some other issue, you know. So they basically they take an egg cell, they take a sperm cell and they put them together in a Petri dish. They let it grow to a certain size where it would be capable of attaching. I think this is how it's done. And then they they basically they put it in the mother. They make sure that it attaches. It makes it possible for mothers who otherwise could not be mothers to have a child. It's been it's a big deal. It's been revolutionary in people's lives. You know, some people desperately want kids. They will do anything to have kids. And IVF is their only method. Now, what's this guy saying about IVF exactly? My aim today is with our creator's help graciously to bring before your conscience the harsh realities of IVF so you will respond by faith, in faith, by loving your embryonic neighbor. Get help, Dusty, please. Why should this matter to you? Well, we've heard why it should matter. Millions of our e embryonic neighbors unnecessarily are being led to slaughter every year by IVF and assisted reproductive technologies. And Sometimes when they do IVF, they take, I don't know, take like 10 egg cells and then a bunch of sperm cells and they fertilize multiple and they only take one. So it's an embryo now. It's two cells together, basically. They take one of them and they implant it. And sometimes... If, a, you know, a couple wants multiple kids, they'll freeze the other embryos for future use. On occasion, the egg and the sperm cell don't attach correctly and it fails. I mean, we're talking two cells, okay? There's no conscience, uh, I'm sorry, there's no consciousness to be found here. There's no, no, it's no different than like a seed for a tree or something. That's it. And this guy is crying for embryonic neighbors he said embryonic neighbors by ivf and assisted reproductive technologies and countless others are cryo incarcerated in frozen prisons cryo incarcerated in frozen prisons because they take the embryos and they freeze them if the family wants kids later wow cryo incarcerated uh, just like what do you even do with this level of God, I, I don't want to be the guy that's always bagging on people, okay? It is so hard not to insult, but I just feel like the guy isn't thinking this through thoroughly. How did he get to this point? Maybe he is thinking it through, like, too thoroughly. Maybe he's got, like, all wrapped up in his head, and he's got, like, a billion different premises that he's basing all of these ideas off of, and they're all false. Is that what's happening right now? Cryo-incarcerated. We are creating cryo-orphans for the sake of biological offspring. Cryo-orphans. Saints, our longing to bear children with our own DNA must not lead us to treat our embryos in a way that God forbids. How does God forbid this? What are you talking about? Embryos were not a concept that existed in Bible times. There is nothing, nothing in the Bible that even implies that God would be opposed to IVF or even abortion. As a matter of fact, God is in favor of abortion. Numbers 5, 11 to 23, the test for an unfaithful wife. You think your wife cheated on you? Take her to the priest. He'll whip up a concoction, have her drink it, and that aborts the baby. Simple as that. You're done. It's a mandate, as a matter of fact. 
if you think your wife has cheated, then you should do this. Because they had no way, they didn't have DNA tests. They had no way of knowing any of this stuff if it was really this person's, and they need to maintain lineages. So abortion was very much promoted and supported in Bible times. By the way, I don't know if you guys knew this, but you know they had pregnancy tests back in Bible times? I think they took a bag of wheat and they took a bag of barley and they peed in the, the each bag. And if they sprouted, if they grew, it meant you were pregnant. If I forget exactly what it was. I think if the barley grew first, it was probably a boy. And if the wheat grew first, it was a girl. Something like that. I don't remember exactly. It was 70% accurate. That's pretty good. Anyway, that's about as advanced as it got in those days. God didn't have a single word to say about this subject. Weirdly, right? You'd think being all-knowing and all-wise, he'd be aware that in the future, this nutter-butter of epic proportions is going to be standing on stage using his name to condemn cryo-imprisonment. And he would at least have Jesus say, hey, uh, you know, abortion isn't bad. Or he would say, you know what? You shouldn't freeze your embryos. Doesn't matter if people know what that word meant at the time or anything. Jesus could have said it, and we'd look at it 3,000 years later, 2,000 years later, and we'd see it, and we'd say, oh, yeah, okay, God didn't want us to do IVF. That makes sense. We understand now. Did he do that? No, he didn't. He encouraged abortion in some cases. Get help. Is your longing to bear children in your own image leading you to flirt with means of procreation that fail to uphold the sacredness of human life? What are you talking about? That would lead these embryos or your children to death or a freezer or deliver them up to destructive in experimentation. In the destructive inspir experimentation? What? What is he going on about? For the record, there is no consciousness to be found there. No consciousness, no, no nervous system, no nothing. It is literally like... A handful of cells, like five cells at most, if it starts reproducing and stuff. A blastocyst, I think at three days of fertilization, has like 150 cells. 150. Do you know how many cells are in the brain of a fly? 200,000. We're talking 150. There is no embryonic neighbor, no cryoprison to be found here. Get help, Dusty. Or deliver them up to destructive in experimentation in the name of science. If discontentment is driving you to accept the destruction or freezing of your own embryonic children. They're not children. They're, they're literally just cells. I, look, I'm killing more cells right now than, than they do for IVF. Right now. I'm, and you know what? The cells I'm killing, they can be used to create a baby too through like cloning. How do you feel about that, Dusty? This is insane. You are waging an assault against God, your creator. You're waging an assault against God. In what way? How? Who? What are you talking about? And you're doing it through his image bearers. Through his image bearers? I don't know what that means. Is he not better than 10,000 children who look like you and carry your DNA? No, he's not. I'd rather have the 10,000 children. He is. Just get help, man. This is insane. This guy, his mind is just gone. There's nothing in there but ideology now. And I don't know 
what to do about that. I don't know how to grapple with it. Dude is in office now and po- pushing bills to ban adult entertainment and sexting unless you're married. Just wow. This one is from uh, late November 2023. So just like a week earlier. I want to see uh, pornography abolished. I want to see no fault divorce come back to at fault in divorce uh, and even public shaming for those who are at fault in divorce. I want to see public shaming. That means shunning, basically. Right. If you're being publicly shamed, it means shunning. He wants to institute a shunning system where people don't want to be associated with you. They don't want to talk to you. They don't want to know you at all. You know, back in the day, the Catholic Church used to control entire towns. They would institute this excommunication policy where if you broke one of their rules, you were shunned. You were excommunicated. You weren't allowed to rent from people. Nobody would sell you food or water or anything. They wouldn't deal with you at all. And the hope is that you would just wander into the woods and die. That was shunning back in the day. That's what Jehovah's Witnesses attempt to institute today. In Jehovah's Witnesses' eyes, unfortunately, there's a secular system that people can lean on. In Jehovah's Witnesses' eyes, it would be ideal if there weren't, if they were the only government in existence so that people really would have to wander into the woods and die. That is what Dusty Devers is advocating for. Public shaming? Or just come out and say it. You're in favor of shunning people who, I guess, get divorced or or look at adult entertainment, the guy understands that there's a neutral zone, like like a secular area where everybody can live. He understands the concept of Sikhs and Muslims and Christians and atheists and everybody living together. He gets that those people all live in America and that this is like a nation made up of tons of different people groups. He just doesn't want those groups to have any say at all. He wants them to be second-class citizens at best. He wants them to be pushed into a corner where they have to follow the laws and expectations and rules of the Christian nationalist extremist groups that are in power. And if I've said this once, I've said it a million times, he doesn't want Christians in power. He wants his church in power, specifically. If you're a Catholic, if you're a Mormon, if you're a Methodist, if you're Episcopal, if you're a Lutheran, he doesn't want you in power. You don't belong there. He wants his specific group of evangelicals in power. They call themselves non-denominationals usually, and it's a subset of Pentecostal really is what it is. And even public shaming for those who are at fault in divorce. I want to see uh, abortion abolished. Uh, These are the kinds of morality and government issues that we need to get back to. He must know, right, that government should not be regulating morality at all. Morality is not in the purview of government, should not be to any degree. The government is here to protect people's rights. Full stop. The government will list people's rights and protect those. That's what it's there for. Property rights and stuff. Human rights, your right to speak your mind without fear of being jailed. Your right to report on the things that you see, freedom of the press. Your right to, you know, own a gun or to build a militia. I guess states right to build a militia. That's the second amendment. I'm just trying to go in order. Um, The Third Amendment, what is that one? Quartering troops? Your right to not keep troops in your house by force. 
the Fourth Amendment, your right against search and seizure, unreasonable search and seizure, uh, your right against self-incrimination. Like the government is there to protect your rights. And each state has its own constitution in addition to our overarching constitution for the federal government. That's what it's there for. It's not here to force people not to get abortions. It's not here to force people not to get divorces. It's not here to prevent people from living lives the way that they want to live them. It is only here to prevent you from hurting your neighbor. Your right to swing your fist ends at the tip of my nose. You can swing your fist anywhere you want. That's your right until your fist lands right here, then you're violating my rights. Your rights come up to the point that my rights begin and no further. That's government's job. Does he know this? Is he aware of these concepts that were fundamental to the founding of the country that the founding fathers believed in that this country was built off of? Does he know this and simply disagree with it? Does he just like not want to be a part of that country? Does he just want to control everything? Or is he really genuinely oblivious? If he was taught this, if this was explained to him, would he change his mind? I doubt it. You don't want to live in a world of his creation. You don't. Trust me. Well, we're coming up on a hard stop here, but l- let's just watch the last one. Why not? When you think of, 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 a, of a government practicing righteousness, then we have to ask, by what standard? Yeah, government shouldn't be practicing righteousness. What does righteousness mean? I assume it has something to do with morality. There should be no moral standard, according to the government. And the standard is the God who created everything and who uh, will not be thwarted in all of his plans. And if we recognize that Christ has been seated after, after his resurrection was seated at the right hand of the Father, high above every rule and every authority and every name that is named, and he is now, as Revelation 1 says, the governor, the ruler of all the kings of the earth— then yes, we can rep- recognize that a there is a difference between the civil government and the church, but under that, Christ is ruling. So we can recognize the difference between the two, but the church should control government, whether they are connected or not, whether they're different or not is irrelevant. They should still, like one should be controlled by the other. He must know that this is like the antithesis of what the founders wanted, right? Like, this is not what the country is built upon at all. And he is king over all. So our, we, it's a presuppositional approach to... Oh, dude, he's a presupper. Oh, my God. Uh, government and, and the church. And the presupposition is Christ is Lord. Okay. Presuppers, presuppositionalists in debate believe that God created the laws of logic and everything else. So you have to start from the point that God created everything, and then you can move forward from there. So you can't have a debate if God isn't real. And that means that God is real because we're having a debate. So we're assuming it right out of the gate. We're presupposing that God existed. The problem with that ultimately is... You can presuppose literally anything. I presuppose that there's a pink dragon that created us all. I presuppose that evolution created us all. Not abiogenesis, evolution. (laughs) You can presuppose whatever you want, and it doesn't make it real. This guy is deep in the hole, man. Deep in the hole. Let me know what you think about him. He is absolutely insane.
and it's really sad to see Oklahoma going down this road. You know what? One more one more clip for good measure. Oklahoma, that was an Oklahoma state senator, right, Devers? Check out the Oklahoma governor. Dude, so many just psychotic people coming out of Oklahoma right now. Were they always there? Probably, right? And they're just like, they feel more comfortable being out now. This is uh, Kevin Stitt, Oklahoma governor, swearing the state of Oklahoma over to Jesus. By the power vested in him by the federal government, he is giving the land, giving authority over Oklahoma state to Jesus. This is uh, November 9th, 2022. Father, we just claim Oklahoma for you. Every square inch, we claim it for you in the name of Jesus. Father, we can do nothing apart from you. We know that we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and darkness. And Father, we just come against that. We just lose your will over our state right now in the name of Jesus. Okay, I've been following politics for a long time and Christian nationalists. 2016, I think, is probably like that's when I started my channel. That's the first election I ever voted in, as a matter of fact. I don't think it's ever been this full of Christian nationalists, Christian extremists. We've seen our fair share. Tea partiers were nutty as they come. Nuttier than a fruitcake, as they say. But this is a new level. Tell me what you think about these people in the comments. There is something going on in Oklahoma, man. These people, I don't, I don't know where they're coming from, but we got to do something to get these people voted out of office for real. Next up, televangelist Jack Hibbs opened Congress with a prayer recently. Let's talk about Jack Hibbs, what kind of person he is. Let's talk about his values, beliefs, and interests. I'm sure it'll come as no surprise to find that he's an anti-Semitic, anti-gay nutter butter of epic proportions. We got some pretty hilarious and bizarre clips from it, though. We'll be right back. Don't forget to check out my Patreon, and check out my website and email list for early access to uncensored, ad-free, complete videos. All links are in the description. Today, you opened Congress in prayer. Yeah, I was honored uh, to experience that uh, at the request of our House Speaker, uh, Mike Johnson. And so, great opportunity, as always. This is uh, Jack Hibbs on the right. If you're unfamiliar with him, here he is. He's a, a televangelist, a megachurch pastor, that kind of guy. And oh my God, he's, he said some psychotic stuff. Dude really doesn't like Jews. Okay, now I got to be honest with you. I am in favor of Palestine. I think Palestine has a right to exist and they deserve freedom and their rights. And I think Israel is being terrible. But, you know, there's a difference between support of Palestine and true deep down anti-Semitism. And this dude has anti-Semitism all the way down. It's bizarre to see. So let's talk about this guy's positions and all of the crazy stuff that he's been up to lately. He gave an opening prayer at Congress. It's actually kind of a hard clip to find, if I'll be honest, but here it is. Check this clip out. This happened late January 2024. Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, together we come before you in humility as a people in need of your Forgiveness, your mercy, your goodness, and your grace. We need God's mercy and grace, okay? For these 250-so years, our fathers in this Congress have prayed for your guidance and protection. And so we stand here in humble petition 
that you today might do the same, that this nation and its unparalleled constitution, your great gift to all freedom-loving people, might be renewed here and across this land as a beacon of hope to all who seek peace. Wow, guys suddenly in favor of peace. Interesting. That's not the impression I got from him like in any of his other clips. Just wait, we'll listen to some. I ask you today, Father, to bring to us a great awakening of righteousness and confidence. By the way, the great awakening thing, that's a QAnon dog whistle. I'm pretty sure that this guy believes in a lot of QAnon stuff. I don't, he hasn't, to my knowledge, come out and said he's QAnon, but the great awakening is definitely a QAnon phrase. It's like talking about the storm. In you, who alone is mighty to save, hear my cry in this hour of great need that we might be humbly blessed before you in the repentance of our national sins. You, almighty God, are the source of all wisdom, and there is no wisdom but that which comes from you. So please. So that means if, you're, if you aren't part of Jack Hibbs' specific denomination, not just Christian, but Jack Hibbs' denomination of Christian, then you're not getting wisdom from God, and you're, you're just, you, you have no wisdom to offer, none, literally. You're just an idiot. If you're a Jehovah's Witness, you're an idiot. If you're a Mormon, you're a moron. You're stupid. You have nothing to offer society. That's how he views things. Seriously. Like, and of course that applies to atheists and everybody else. Come upon those here who are the stewards over the business of our nation with your wisdom, which comes from above, and with your holy fear, knowing that your coming day of judgment draws near when all who have been and are now in the authority will answer to you, the great judge of heaven and of earth. Like, he's talking about the end. When the end comes, everyone will answer to God. Great. Let that happen. Why are you trying to force people to conform to your way of life specifically and not letting people just damn themselves, right? Like, if you don't want, if you expect God to come along and fix everything or whatever, why are you even bothering? If he hates people as much as he seems to, Jews, gay people, and, and a, a plethora of others, why not let them sin? Let them live their lives. Why is he trying to insert himself all up in there? Decisions that they make here in this place. I offer this prayer to you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Son, your Son, and our crucified Savior and resurrected Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, that was the prayer. Jesus Christ, dude. He was apparently invited by Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson is currently the Speaker of the House, and he's a Christian nationalist nutcase. Mike Johnson is about as insane as it gets. You know, the dude is in favor of... Well, he's uh, the dude is opposed to no-fault divorce. The dude is opposed to adult entertainment and, you know, all of it. All of the stuff. Opposed to everything. Let me give you an idea of who Jack Hibbs is if you don't know him, though. This clip came out in early December 2023. He just rails against Jews bizarrely. Just listen to this. Again, pro-Palestine here, okay? This is insane what he's saying. They rejected Christ, and there is a blindness upon them. And In fact, the Bible calls it a stupor. It is a God-given blindness whereby... God-given, so God is forcing Jews to be blind because he doesn't love them? 
there are Jews who cannot see the truth right now. There have, there have been Jews who cannot see the truth for the last 2,000 years. But listen, have there been Jews for the last 2,000 years that have seen the light of the gospel? Yeah. Have there been Jews? Are there Jews right now that are coming to faith in Yeshua? Yeah. So they're not worthy of being saved or of consideration to any degree unless they're Christian. And when they convert away from Judaism, then they're worthy of praise or worthy of being saved or whatever else. So Jews as a people group are worthless. Only when they become Christians are they worth something. Jesus Christ on a cracker, dude. What's going on here? What is God's word saying? That nationally, the blindness has fallen upon them as a nation, but there are individual Jews coming to faith in Jesus. I have many Jewish friends. Interesting. Okay, so he seems to be opposed to the nation of Israel. I don't know what his position is. There is a subset of the right. Uh, most right-wingers, I'm comfortable saying most right-wingers, are super in favor of Israel existing and Jews occupying it because it's a precursor to the end coming in some of their eschatology, some of their end times beliefs, right? But there's another subset of right-wingers that absolutely hate Jews. Oh my God. And they support Palestine, not because they like Palestine or Muslims or anything, but because they hate Jews. It's nuts. I want to see everybody flourish and stop suffering. I don't link Jews with Israel. The Israeli government is committing absolute atrocities in Jews' names. Uh, I'm sorry, in Jews' name. God, how do I say this? In the name of other Jews or in the name of Jews. And it's absolutely disgusting to see. I'm not conflating Israel with Jewish people the way that they're so desperate to do themselves. But apparently this guy views Jews as Israel and vice versa and is opposed to them. I have many Jewish friends. I bet. You know what? Sentences never end well when they start out like that. I have many blank friends. Tell me about your many blank friends there, um, Jack. Coming to faith in Jesus. I have many Jewish friends who follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who are born-again Jews, or we would say Jews born anew. Some, somebody might say Jews that are complete. Okay. Some might say, who are these some? Who are you talking about? And what does that mean? Born again Jews. Does that mean that they're Christian? Is he talking about like Jews who suddenly accept Jesus? Is that what he means? And that's like the precondition to being his friend? Honestly, I'm not convinced this guy has any friends. So hard to tell. Some, somebody might say Jews that are complete. Why is that the case? Because being complete means they've read the Old Testament and they've gone right into the New and they see that the Bible, Old and New Testament, speaks about the same exact Jesus as Messiah. Uh, no, it doesn't, but okay, whatever. They didn't get bogged down in Judaism, which is the creation of laws, rules, and regulations by rabbis and by traditions that cannot save you. So be careful. Well, who is a true Jew? Ah, same thing. Those who are truly 
worshipers of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ. Yeah, Yeshua was the name that Jesus went by back in the day. Uh, like back in, you know, when he was around, people called him Yeshua. It means Josh, basically. I I'm not even joking. Anyway, this guy seems to really hate Jews, and I don't know what the hell is happening right now. Like I said, there's a subset of the right that is, well, I honestly, I think all of the right hates Jews, in my opinion. The entire right-wing spectrum hates Jews, uh, to, some, to one degree or another. I mean, there are probably people out there who are live and let live, more libertarian, who just don't want to cause any problems for anybody, just want to let them live their lives. But by and large, I'd say the Republican Party, people on the Republican spectrum, don't like Jews, any of them. Some of those people that don't like Jews, or that hate Jews, if you will, need Jews to live in Israel for the end to come. And some of them know that Jews are already in Israel, and so whatever, it doesn't matter. They can hate them openly anyway. Uh, they seem to have like a bizarre contempt for them, sometimes an open contempt. It's wild, dude. I'm typing in Jew Peters because I'm looking for a Stu Peters clip about Jews. <laughs> Jew Peters. All right. Check out this uh, this far right guy. He's a QAnoner on the left, Stu Peters, if you're unfamiliar. And he has a guest on to talk about the Palestine-Israel issue. Again, pro-Palestine here. I don't like the Israeli government, but I don't want anybody to hate or attack anybody for any reason. That includes Jews. Nobody deserves to be hated or attacked. Listen to what this right-wing nutcase says when he just takes the mask off. This one, by the way, is from uh, October 11th, 2023. We put Israel in the region to basically stir everything up. And they are resentful about the fact that Israel is there mucking with all of their relations and imposing everything on them. And it's just they're an instigator. I don't know what he's talking about. Who is we? We put Jews in the region? No, Jews put Jews in the region. They largely already lived in the region. And then there was a great call for everybody to go back to the homeland. And they created communes and stuff. Uh, kibbutzes, I believe, is what they're called. They are basically self-sustaining, autonomous little regions that they live in. All through the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, they all gathered. Well, in 1947, they, they basically started a war to take control of the region officially. And the United Nations declared two separate states and drew borders, Palestine and Israel. Before that, the British controlled the region. Israelis were the, the ones that took the region in the name of Israel. They were being supplied with guns and stuff by, you know, secret governments and not so secret. Some, I think Czechoslovakia provided some guns to them. A whole bunch of other countries did. That's how they got to the region. I have no idea what he's talking about. We or, or they, they put them in the region. I don't know who he means by they. An instigator. And they, not to mention the, the, the age-old fact that, yeah, they literally are the ones who killed Christ. I, uh, okay, I thought that was the Romans. Didn't the Romans kill Jesus? I think we talked about this the last time I was on, and, you know, read Matthew 27. They say that we are responsible, and our kids will be responsible, and our progeny will be responsible for the death of Jesus. That's kind of what I was alluding to. Okay, uh, just for the record, the gospel accounts that talk about Jesus' death 
were written by Christians who were adversarial to Jewish people. They have an adversarial bent against Jews. So there is a verse, I think, in the in one of the Gospels. It says, Pontius Pilate, the governor of the region, basically asked the crowd multiple times, you really want to kill this guy? I can trade him out for somebody else and blah, blah, blah. And they said, no, we really want this guy dead. And he said, okay, I wash my hands of this situation. It is on your hands. His blood is on your hands. That was not real. That did not really play out that way. The verses were written by anti-Jewish early Christians. I mean, sure, yeah, some Jews didn't like Jesus. Absolutely, of course. But this whole line about Jews killing Jesus was literally used by Hitler to whip people into a blood frenzy against Jews. This is literally a line from Hitler that he said. It's just bizarre to hear Hitler's words coming off of other people's lips like this. For the death of Jesus, that's kind of what I was alluding to. But they are absolutely, they are, they are pushing buttons, they are causing problems in the region. The point is, oh, you know, I've never really looked at this uh, banner here. Interesting. We've got Alex Jones, Carrie Lake, we've got Nick Fuentes, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Patriot Front, some unnamed Patriot Front actors, and we've got Ali Alexander here. Uh, never thought about it. Anyway. The point here is that there, in my opinion, is nobody on the right that likes Jews, except for right-wing Jews. That's it. They're all either cynically using them or talking smack about them, looking for an opportunity to attack them and get one over on them. You know why? Because they're not Christians. Simple as that. By rabbis and by traditions that cannot save you. Jack Hibbs doesn't like Jews, straight up. He can claim he has Jewish friends all he wants. I simply don't care or believe him. Let me show you another little clip from this guy, uh, Jack Hibbs, if you don't know who he is. Guy that delivered an opening prayer in, in Congress, remember? This one is about Blue's Clues, believe it or not. And it is from mid-September 2022. What does a nation look like when it starts to receive the judgment or the cursings of Almighty God? Looks like this. Sorry, the plural of kibbutz is kibbutzim. Okay, <laughs> so I don't speak the language, so thank you for that clarification. Appreciate that. Uh, real pumpkin, Jay. Of Almighty God, looks like this. <laughs> now, you laugh. Okay, this is a Blue's Clues scene that he just put up on screen for everybody. This is what the downfall of a nation looks like. Blue's Clues. But your kid is probably watching this. This is Blue's Clues. This is so stupid. Didn't start out this way, but it's major, major LBGTQ. Uh, no, no, it isn't. I'll tell you exactly what this is. I looked into it because I was curious. Is this even real? Turns out this is real. I'll, I'll explain. It's a three-minute video, give or take, written by Nina West. Is that who? I think it was Nina West. Yeah, Nina West. It had Nina West in it. And uh, it was just basically like a pro gay pride clip it was just a pro pride clip it was very vague and ambiguous it just said have pride in who you are and stuff i don't want to get hit with copyright so i'm just going to play a, a short little segment and if i have to cut it out then i have to cut it out but you can check it out if you don't have an opportunity to watch it was one video released to their youtube channel 
and it was three minutes long. It wasn't in the normal show. The normal show has nothing to do, has never mentioned LGBT anything at all, ever. It was simply on their YouTube channel. Hey, Blue, look at all these families. Hi, families. It's time for a pride parade. Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah. This family has two mommies. They love each other so proudly, and they all go marching in. So, yeah, you get the idea. The big parade. I mean, it's actually a pretty good song. I mean, it's really well, well sung and well written and everything. Uh, that's what it is. It was just, yeah, three and a half minutes on their YouTube channel. This dude is absolutely losing his mind because this released two years ago. And he says, kids are watching it right now. Like, give me a break. Like, and who cares? You know what? Some kids do have two moms. Some kids do have two dads. This guy doesn't want that normalized. He wants those kids to feel shame and hate from society. You and your kids, because your kids have been watching it for five years or three years, you think it's okay. Chances are you get home, you look at your kid's device. If they're little kids, what are they doing with the device? But this, this stuff is on there and believe No, it's on their YouTube channel, not the normal TV show. God, this guy is such a fear mongerer. It's on there and believe me, it is anything but benign. Anything but, but yeah, okay, tell me. How is this gonna hurt society, Jack? Give me specifics. What's gonna happen because people are watching a Blue's Clues episode depicting somebody that has two moms. Radical agenda on that. But before we go from one extreme to the other, I find it fascinating this week in research to find out whenever there's this aberrant sexuality, which according to human history, forget about religion, according to human history, the last visage of a culture before it is destroyed by either weather or by invading armies is aberrant sexuality. Every single nation on earth okay that doesn't sound true and he says the research is turning that up is that what he said at the beginning of that what research who who did it who did that research can you give me sources on that of course he can because it's fake he's lying about the entire thing he's just making things up seemingly on the spot sexuality every single nation on earth uh, that cannot, I mean, I, I'm sure that there are like a billion examples of that being completely false. The Greek empire didn't fall because of bad weather or aberrant sexual behavior. It fell because Alexander the Great died and his generals were too greedy. It shattered into four pieces. The Seleucid empire didn't fall because of aberrant sexual behavior. It fell because, so, um, because Antiochus was a complete scumbag to a lot of people and he was in a vicious war with other empires in the region like the Ptolemy Empire of Egypt and you know he weakened the Seleucid Empire heavily to the point that the Maccabean revolt succeeded middle 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 there have been empires that did not fall because of sexual immorality, because there was sexual immorality, or there there just was around the time they felt like he's just making all of this up completely. Nation on earth that has gone away in the dustbin of history, the last witness of that nation throughout human history was odd sex. 
I have no idea what he's even talking about. Anyway, that's Jack Hibbs. So not only does he seem to have a real problem with Jews, like a weird problem with Jews, but he also has a really weird problem with Blue's Clues. And this is the guy delivering the opening prayer in Congress. Might be renewed here and across this land as a beacon of hope. These people need help, man, for real. This is crazy. Tell me what you think about this in the comments. That's all I've got for you. If you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, don't forget to check me out on Patreon. And take a look at my YouTube channels. Owen Morgan, where I talk about religious issues. Telltale Fireside Chat, where I talk about politics. Telltale Unfiltered, where I do long-form breakdowns of stuff like this. And Telltale Reads, where I read books by televangelists and others. I release everything in parts, but every part stands independently of the last. So you can jump in anywhere and I'll make sure it makes sense. You can find some ad-free, uncensored, complete versions of all my videos on my website, owenmorgan.com. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email list to get early access to everything. All links are in the description. Okay, thanks for watching, guys.